Hi, and welcome to Mama and the Rev. I'm Mama. I'm Emily Trotter, and the Rev is sitting across from me, John Few, and we're glad that you have joined us again. Wow, thanks. Yeah, season two, episode two. Yes. I mean, who knew? We say that every time. That's got. That's like our tagline. Who knew that this would... <laughs> <laughs> who knew that we'd still do this? <laughs> yeah, you know... Who knew that uh, you wouldn't have given up on us already? That's right. We appreciate your enthusiasm and your support. We're, we are glad that you're with us today. Emily, it's um, it's always wonderful to sit across the table from you. And, and one of the things that I just, um, I find myself leaning into is I love to see and hear uh, your passion for God. Mm. And I love to see and hear the way um, you describe uh, God working through you, around you, and the glimpses of God's grace in in your life. And I I would imagine that's foreign to a lot of people who are hearing us today. The the fact that that they may not even believe that God is moving or what do they recognize? What do they see? Um, What what are they supposed to notice if they are searching to see, okay, is God working? Where is he working at? What's he doing around me? What's he doing in my family and in, in, in our midst? And especially when we start to categorize those as what we think is good and what we don't think is good because we're seeing those through very myopic um, glasses, very, you know, in the, in the present. Yeah. So what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess what's what, I guess what you you know those were very kind words um, for you to describe me and my passion for the Lord, um, and I guess because I was sitting here and I was like, well, that's so kind, but I mean, John loves the Lord too, um, but I guess you know it's more because you're the Rev, <laughs> so I guess people expect it from you. Yeah, don't hold that against <laughs> me though, okay? You're the Rev. We're expected to believe that you know God is working, um, and it may be more of an oddity <laughs> that I'm so vocal about it. Of course, I would. Um, I would tend to. I venture the guess that there probably are some preachers that it's foreign to them to hear from God. Probably, especially now. I, you know, and that's such a slippery slope. <laughs> Very. It's such a such a slippery slope, and it's because you know, and oddly enough, this my husband and I were just having this discussion last night. Oh yeah, <laughs> about you know when you, you know, like this, like with this podcast with, with Mama and the Rev, you know, we started out with just you know saying, talking, discussing, you know, and and doing studies and looking into things and digging deeper and. And that kind of thing, and it's been—I mean, I w- I'm going to say it's been successful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. If for anything, what it's been doing inside of me, and and to be able to talk through right. and, and communicate around a table with some coffee. Yeah, I mean, and I, well, yeah, likewise, I enjoy it immensely. I mean, I look forward to it every time we sit down. And I'm always thinking of, ooh, we should talk about this. Or, oh, I need to ask John this question. You know, let me make a note or let me shoot a, a quick text about what I think we should talk about sometime. And But at some point, cause, and I think that we've had people that listen to us and have found us, you know, randomly or whatever. And Jim and I were just talking about, you know, but when do you, 
why am I doing this? And the line of, okay, well, I've, we've been successful at this. Well, so what about marketing and how do we get it further out there? And how do we, and it's just, for me, it's been more of a question of, because I want to say, you know, the good Christian answer is, well, I'm doing this for the Lord and he'll take it where he wants it to go. Right. And is that, at what point then do you say, well, let me let me see what I can do and, you know, help. How do we help this? So, I mean, it, to me, that's a tricky line. So for listening to the Lord, and I just think that churches are so commercial these days and who's got the best lights and set and, you know, the best graphics and and package that they put out into the world. I just think that it's been that's a hard that's a hard line to navigate of letting the Lord do what he wants it to do and then when when I need to get involved and try and push it further. So I, that's been that's been a tricky thing for me to navigate. There is a sense that we see the church or ministry um, as competing for people's attention in a world that's already saturated with media. Yeah. And so evangelical churches and podcasts and those who are proclaiming the news, the good news, see it as uh, an opportunity to put something into that. And, and certainly uh, what's up to our ability to um, promote it or whatnot, um, we always, at least I know between us, it, our prayer has always been, God, this is really something that we need. And if anybody else can sit in the right. table and watch and listen, man, we, we're all for that. But here's here's the thing that that is so true is that we're not in competition with the world. Right. As if we, in the sense that we have the same message as the world. Churches that um, solely, or ministries that solely find themselves uh, as a supplement or as um, entertainment or simply as getting a voice out for one reason or another. The better example is when I think of youth ministries, I've spent 20 years in youth ministry. And when I think of youth ministries as we've got to compete with a world out there that has lights and bells and whistles and uh, all these different kind of things. Yeah. And to do that in such a wonderful way, yet at the expense of not preaching the gospel. Right. You see, we're, we're not just another place to gather together and sing songs or have fun or eat a meal or go on trips together. Yeah. We offer seeing the church or the ministry or whether it's a parachurch organization to see this yourselves as we offer a message that goes along with it. Now, there's nothing wrong with being able to do bells and whistles and go on trips, but you can't do that at the expense of not speaking on the atoning work of Jesus Christ. That's right. And our need for a Savior in our lives. That's right. Well, And, and I think that we worry, too, when we get too deep into what the Bible says and what the standard God set and it becomes tricky because it's like, oh, no, we don't want to hear that. No, 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 we can't say that. People won't come if we don't just pat their heads and, and sing about love and grace and all its glory and wonderfulness. We, we, they won't come if we tell them that they're, in, they're sinning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
That doesn't. We don't like to be scolded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people don't like that at all. That's you know, if you're going to scold me, I'm going to go someplace else. Yeah, I'm going to go down the street where they don't they don't do that. They don't do that here. You know, and it was just some, like we were talking about. You know that because here's what the thing is that how the Lord works and working in my life is I've been scolded. And I've had to learn to say I was wrong. And that's such a big part of growing and knowing the Lord, to be able to say, hey, I messed up and I need to repent for this. This was not right. I shouldn't have done this. This, It may not have had any terrible consequences, but I may not be living with this for the rest of my life, but this was not the decision that I should have made here. This was not the reaction I should have had in this situation. Um, and I mean, even last night, you know, as I was angrily typing a very <laughs> disgruntled parent <laughs> email to the school administration, I had to do a lot of backspacing <laughs> because I really had to take the moment and say, I cannot tell them, I cannot put in writing and say all the things that I am thinking and feeling right now that will not be effective. And not only will they just probably delete it and not pay attention to what I'm saying, but what does that say about the person that I am? Because God does not want me to call this (laughs) teacher this name. (laughs) (laughs) We're being transparent and vulnerable. That's right. And so it's, but it's getting that point where you understand that God is work. He was working in that moment and he was there saying, Emily, that's not the right thing you should say. Okay, hey, so hey, hey, hey. so when we talk about hearing or seeing God from an individual perspective, not that our perspective actually creates the God that we want. Right. Right. So we're talking about the true biblical God that has uh, interacted with people's narratives and still doing that today. What is it and what is it not? What, what do you look for when it comes to those? What do you... Uh, how do you practice being tuned in to what God is doing in the moment? Well, this isn't an easy answer. <laughs> no, I, I look, I didn't give you a cheat sheet or, you know, notes beforehand. You're on the spot. Good thing we're not live. Uh, well, I just, it's the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it feels like that can't be right. So the longer you do it, you go, you know, that is, you know, I do think that, well, because in my mind, I can, in my inner being, I can, this is going to be hard to explain, so stay with me. When I feel that the Lord is speaking to me or correcting me or directing me, I hear a voice, but it's not like it comes from my head. It's like it comes from within deep within my body like maybe my soul maybe that but then I think well the Holy Spirit is indwelling me he is in here and so it's not like I'm hearing voices in my head it's like I just hear don't do that or Emily I love you I know you're upset I understand I got it And you have to listen. I think that you have to be in tune to listen to things like that and not a, 
it's not going to be like Moses in the burning bushes. I am. I am. I am who I am. <laughs> I am Jehovah. <laughs> and we're not going to have those Red Sea moments either. Right. We're, hey, this is unmistakable. Now, you will get those. Right. I mean, you will get the un- unmistakable, hey, you know. But just, and you know, this same my, same emailing that I'm doing this week, um, the Lord is just so kind. I mean, this week I got an email, a very kind email from a teacher, which you don't often get kind emails saying that your child is fantastic and they're so proud of them. And then I got a phone call yesterday from another precious teacher. I mean, and this was for my same child. This is one of my children. So, and yesterday, you know, the first time I was like, oh, that's nice. The second time I was like, oh, no. (laughs) What's coming? (laughs) I'm being encouraged and supported. The Lord has sent his ministering angels. He has pricked these two women's hearts to be encouraging and kind to me. So you get these two encouraging emails. So you're like saying, okay, the the shoe is about to fall. The shoe is about, what has he done? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But, and it is... And then sure enough, yes, last night we, we I got the shoe dropped. But here but here is the thing, and I talked to one of the teachers this morning. I said, you have no idea what that meant. I was like, the Lord prepared me to hear this, uh, because I had already been told he's great, and I'm proud of him. So that this morning, last night and this morning, I didn't have to feel like it was me and my child against the world where it was us and nobody, where they all think we're terrible. <laughs> I'm a bad parent. He's a bad student. What oh, What are we doing with our lives? Why have we screwed up in this way? This time, and this hasn't happened every time. I mean, we've had a lot of teacher conferences, and this hasn't happened every time. But this week, this time, this felt so specific and so directed for this moment. And... A lot of the times the teachers will tell him, say, hey, I'm calling your mom. I'm proud of you. I'm calling your mom. And the dean of students just said to me on the phone, he was like, I, you know, I told him that I was going to email you about this. This was a couple weeks ago, so I've gotten lots of nice emails this year. I think it's because he's a senior and people are like, oh, we're almost done. Um, <laughs> let's would you just stay the course, guys. Stay the course. We can do it. Um, and I'm not giving him this is my medically complicated child. So, I mean, we he takes a village for sure, and he is delightful and a miracle. But um, we have our moments of, oh, my gosh. So, but, you know, he said, Mr. Dean, because he calls him Mr. Dean, Mr. Dean, why, why are you emailing my mom to tell her this? I mean, is it that big of a deal? And he was like, yes, because when I have to email her and tell her that I've... <laughs> Tell her that I had to pull you out of class again today. She will go, yes, but he loves him too, and he's doing good work, and he's proud of Bo as well. Uh, oh, and now I've just let the cat out of the bag, which kid it is, but I'm sure you all knew that anyway. But, you know, so we have that relationship with him. So Bo has been able to see the ones that do care and the ones that do love him and kind of, I hope, in his life that he will be able this is just teaching him how to navigate things um but so that but the lord is working yeah so there's so much truth in um and i can't think of the guy's name that wrote the book um through the eyes of a lion he's out uh, levi lusco levi lusco And, and he he speaks about this that the fingerprints of god are almost 
always just seen in the rearview mirror of life. Yeah. But if we never look in the rearview mirror of life for those fingerprints, it's very difficult to see those right now. Yeah. So you're talking about my child. I hope that one day he's going to look back on these moments and he's going to see that fingerprint of God. Yeah. So how people see God is in, as individuals is usually with an introspective look at seeing how God has moved in their lives in the past. Is there right. truth to that? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I've learned so much this summer. Um, I mean, and it, this this kind of realization that has happened it, it has started mostly with um, my therapist that I speak with. And, and even, you know, here at St. Paul, there have been, you know, sermons or conversations that have been had that kind of started the ball rolling. And it's funny, you know, because I, I, John, I told you on, on Wednesday night, I was like, you know, I remember Shane preaching, you know, pre-COVID. So that was like, what, 30 years ago. Um, it seems that way. I mean, I can't, it just feels foreign that time before about preaching about the creed and where it comes from and why the Methodist church uses it. And he said one time, that we can't assign gender to God. And I was like, oh, sure, I'm going to have to turn this off. He's going to upset me. And I'm just going to listen to the sermon because I'm going to be, oh, because God is a man. He is God the Father. You know, Jesus, when he came, came in the form of a man, not a woman. And so he said that. And then my, my therapist has, has, has taught me a lot. And not, I mean, and not that she, not that my therapy sessions are trying to decide the gender of the Lord, but <laughs> we talk about strange things. Um, not strange, but anyway, that's beside the point. That's my personal private time. Um, but we, you know, having discussions with her and then reading um, that the book that I discussed last time, that Roberta Bondi book, reading those things, and then this, we're doing the names of God, and... I'm doing it, you know, online for the church, and then I'm doing it with the kids, a small youth Bible study that has been so fun, <laughs> so fun and so interesting to watch. Well, it's not, you know, it's college and career and, and high school students mostly, and then my eighth grader. So it's been interesting for the two to do them simultaneously, but the information, and especially this last week, just really hit home for me as I was studying El Shaddai and the word that word <laughs> it has like a literal Hebrew ancient Hebrew meaning that you go do what now <laughs> <laughs> no 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 what and in fact when I taught on this online I was like y'all stick with me don't turn me off yet wait 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 let me explain why I'm saying this but that El Shaddai that literal meaning gives such a maternal picture of God and it just really got me to thinking about there are so many female qualities that God himself has the comforter the caring. I mean, in scripture says he gathers you under his wing. He feeds you. He nourishes you like a mother feeds her child. The images in the scripture of the maternal sides of God are there just as much as the father are. And instead of being completely freaked out by this, this week, I've really been, oh my gosh, 
how much and and how important that is y'all and I'm not I wouldn't say that I'm a feminist I wouldn't say that I'm like women 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 Woo, we're awesome who run the world girls run the world I, I wouldn't put myself in that boat but it has been how gratifying and encouraging it has been to look at God through this light of I am created in his image and I have the qualities that he has. It's not just reserved to men. It's not just for these old, white, aged scholars. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's what's interesting to me is how that has been so, so run off the rails that, look, I admit that there has been some patriarchal overtones that have erased or ignored the matriarchal components or descriptions of who God is. So they're not really one at the exclusion of the other, because I think I would agree with you and you would agree with me that either one is not right. Yeah. You can't go to the one side and, and look just towards the motherhood or the protector, the comforter of God. And you can't go to the patriarchal side and say that this is who God is, that they're, the truth is is somewhere in the center. And when they're together, you get the complete, more complete picture. Yeah, it's yes and. It's yes and. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you get that that more complete picture. And so through your lens of seeing God as, your, as an individual has been kind of paying attention, kind of leaning into those uh, parts that kind of made you agitated or... Um, you know, kind of raised your blood pressure in right. one way or another, whether it was from external, yeah, you know, events in your life around you, maybe it's internal, what was going on with your, your beliefs and what you truly felt, um, you know, and I, for me, this has been very difficult for me in the sense of I've had to be very intentional with this. And, and I'll, I'll say, I'll say this, that it's, this has kind of bubbled to the surface in my own life in the last three or four weeks. It's not that I had not been intentional, but there has been two things, both from Richard Foster's book, um, Prayer. Uh, Both of these have come from that. One has been centered around the idea of Sabbath prayer, rest prayer, and getting away from the distractions and mm-hmm. breathing deeply, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like I'm going to sit Indian style and put my <laughs> fingers together and tap them <laughs> little things and, um, you know. Although there are some very... Uh, I'm picturing that. That's yeah. why I'm giggling. Sorry. I'm <laughs> there not. are some meditative states that, that, that you do that. But see, as Thomas Merton said, we get away from the world not to ultimately have our goal to be away from the world. We get away from the world to get our mind straight again about who we are in God's eyes. Right. So that we go back into the world as children of God. Well, and right? then you can enjoy it more. So I'm thinking about this, this prayer of rest that Richard Foster talks about. And he's sitting on an island that he canoed to. 
and he's kind of letting this kind of unfold, you know, in his life. Okay, I'm in a chair, I'm under a tree, and the birds are singing, and the, I hear the water. Okay, God, I'm ready for some rest. <laughs> Speak to me now. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he started to hear in his heart, well, you better get back. They're about to start the second session, and if you're not there, what's going to happen? They might send out a search party for you. Yeah. Can you throw up some smoke? I mean, in, so he's starting to get agitated once again that he's being pulled back in to that world and yet had not yet had his time. And he says, God, I don't know how to tackle this. What do I need to do? Tell me what I need. I'm here for you. Can you at least give me an opportunity to get this out? I mean, give me rest, right? I don't, I, I don't want that internal for at least the next few moments. And he said, three things came to his mind. He says, be still, rest, and shalom or peace. Now, I can't tell you how many times I have prayed those three things. Just, just, just yeah. to stop and say, be still, rest, shalom, peace. Be still rest and peace. One of the things I am so thankful that God has wired us all as humans to be are people who can only think about one thing consciously at a time. We, we can't think about two things simultaneously. We'll, we, we can go back and forth, right? We can go yeah. here, but at one time. So as I'm saying, be still, rest, shalom, be still, rest, shalom. As I'm saying this to myself, I'm focusing once again back on God. As you were describing it, that, that it's not just atypical to you. you. You don't hear voice a voice in your head, but you hear it in your soul. Yeah, You hear it in your spirit. Is what Paul says in Romans 8. You, you, it's, yeah. it's, that you same know, power. It, yeah. yeah. It's your spirit crying out, Abba, Father. I mean, it, right. but it's it's the Holy <laughs> Spirit that speaks <laughs> with chills. your spirit. Mm. And when you don't know what to say, you, the spirit yeah. speaks. And so now it's just like groans and moans sometimes. And, and there's a lot of that. But But if we can't at least get away and stop and say, be still, rest, shalom. When I was at the University of Pittsburgh, I remember going to Soldier and Sailors Memorial Hall for this convention. It was for youth and whatnot. And, and I remember the speaker that was speaking there kept on talking about, you know, this passage in the New Testament. I believe it's where Peter talks about this, is that the devil um, prowls around like a lion waiting for someone to devour, right? Mm -hmm. And just and then the antithesis was of that was a first John passage, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, right? And so the two of those together or beside themselves is how do you stop the devil from knocking at your door, getting into your getting your mind to think about things that you shouldn't to plague yourself that you or shroud yourself in such a way that you can't notice God speaking in the world around you or within you. How, how do you do that? And, and he was, you know, talking about, you know, getting to that place where you can stop and 
in a visual, Satan's knocking at your door and you're not answering it. You know, resist the yeah. devil and he will flee from you, as James says. Resist the devil, humble yourself, submit to God, all this stuff you resist. But that doesn't mean he doesn't come back in just a few moments later and knock Try again. again. yeah. And knock again. But here's what he said that I didn't believe, but now 30 some odd years later, I'm thinking, okay, I'm starting to believe this now, is the more you resist, the less frequent he appears. The yeah. less frequent he's knocking. Well, and I'm forgive me for this illustration. <laughs> I am a huge Harry Potter fan. I love it. I watch all the movies back to back to back. I start at one, I go through all the way, and then I start them back over again. And I just recently, <laughs> my children make fun of me a lot, okay? Um, and I just recently, because um, I've read the books, of course, I read the books before I saw the movies, so I, I'm, I did it the right way. Um, but... You know, so I just recently was like, I tried to read them again, and I just don't have the time to sit and read all those books again as much as I love them. But I started listening to them with Audible, and so I listened through the whole set again. And the curse, <laughs> see, give me a little latitude, okay? This imperious curse that is one of the unforgivable curses, and we learn about it in the Goblet of Fire, book four. And it talks about this dark wizard or dark wizards being able to put you under the spell of the imperious curse and being able to control your mind. Now, the movies don't have this part. The book does. And it was so interesting to me because the way that you, you have to combat that in your mind. You can't do a counter curse so much as a... That is not really happening. That is not my voice I hear. And the more you practice, and of course, Harry Potter was really good at this. He was one of the only ones that could do it immediately. The more you do this, the easier it becomes to ward it off and defend it off. Not to say that somebody's not going to try it, but as soon as it starts happening, inside you go, aha, that is not my voice. No. And you're able to defend against it. And so... To me, and I really thought about this yesterday because when I'm watching my movie while I'm needlepointing, I am actually on Goblet of Fire and this just happened again. And so I really got thinking about it and I was like, you know, that is that is a really good <laughs> analogy of what we do or what we can do to fight against. I mean, J.K. Rowling puts it so perfectly as the self-talk and to combat every lie you hear with the truth of something that you know. And I thought, that's it. That's how you do it. That's that's like the go-to. That's the manual for this is I'm going to combat this lie with a truth. And that's not unscriptural. No. I mean, what does Paul say to the church in Corinth? I take every thought captive yes. and I make it obedient to Christ. Yes. We're not talking about some new age stuff here. Right. What we're, what we're talking about is, is at least the encouragement to deepen your faith. Yeah. I mean, I think that theology and church and religion for that matter has been looked at as nothing more than just therapy. Hey, I just need some therapy right now. And just so give me a little religion. Let me go right. to a little bit of uh, Jesus in my life and sing a praise song and maybe say a creed. 
from a book by, written by a guy named David Wells. He says, theology becomes therapy in these moments. The biblical interest in righteousness is replaced by a search for happiness. Holiness is replaced right. by wholeness. Truth by feeling, ethics by feeling good about oneself. The past recedes, the church recedes, the world recedes, and all that remains is you. Yeah. That is the picture of where we find ourselves. We think it rises and falls upon us. And if I am not feeling good about myself or something's wrong, I'm going to reach out to this place and see if it fixes what I'm going through. And we miss the whole thing that Christianity, faith, being a disciple of Christ is not to fix just the predicament you're in. It's right. to fix the human heart. Yeah. Amen. It is about the atoning work of Jesus Christ to cure a, a sinful nature that we're born into. Stop asking your question, the questions in your heart that, why did I say that? Well, we know why we said that. Yeah. We know why we did that. And yet the work of Christ in our lives allows us to encourages us when we hear hit the backspace yeah <laughs> delete that delete that whatever and it all centers around a deep faith that in individuals we need to seek to be in the presence of our creator amen our redeemer our sustainer and i think this is essential for spiritual growth i i really do yeah Absolutely. It is so essential. What if there are folks who are listening that felt like me more times than I would like to admit and believe that well, maybe God really does not want to hear from me? Yeah. Maybe God just wants me to pull myself up with my own, my own bootstraps and do it myself. I mean, we got to start somewhere in that God. We got to start with a God who wants to speak, wants to be in communion, in relationship, in fellowship with us. And that's the thing with working with the, the youth that I've thought about a lot is, yes, we need to make sure that they understand that God is God. And he is sovereign and he is the most holy and that he deserves more reverence than we ever give him probably. <laughs> My reverence might not ever reach the level that's appropriate, even though I really try. Yes, that's important. But we can't put him so high up that we can't reach him. Thinking about prayer and encouraging people how to pray is... Because even, you know, because when Jesus prayed the, the Lord's Prayer, he's like, here's the model for what you do. And I think that that is taken as a, just like we were talking about education, we have too many tools. Mm. It's been, we've been given this tool. And yet, because I, I, I remember thinking, okay, I have to follow this formula. I have to be, I have to do thankful and I have to repent and I have to, you know, Pray for others. I have to do this intercessory part, and then maybe I can do my requests. Right, right. Jesus, others, really yourself, ask, right. Yeah, but I can't really ask because I can't question the the sovereignty and the will of the Lord. And I mean, who does God? God doesn't care what I really want. That I need this or want this in my life. I mean, that doesn't count. So I think that we we put these parameters around it, and it really hems us into 
well, I'm not doing it right, so why should I do it at all? God doesn't want to hear from me because I'm not doing the right. I haven't gone through the right steps. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't say, <laughs> if it be your will. Yes. And I didn't say, uh, in Jesus' name. Yeah. And, and, and and if we wanted to boil it down to, if God looks at us like a, a, a parent looks at a child, a, a wonderful, good parent looks at a child, the love that the parent has for a child is not because of what it does, but because of that child's ability to breathe. Yeah. And something you do without thinking. That's the reason a parent loves. So we, that God loves us this way. Yeah. So does that child crying out to his or her mother or father have to be in a formula? Oh, father, if thou has a moment to <laughs> see my way. You busy? You busy. <laughs> I need my daily bread. I'm not making light of this. Do yeah, you know what the no. most simple prayer or cry is? Help. Yeah. That Abba Father. Yes. <laughs> you do not have to have, I mean, look, <laughs> the simplest prayer is a prayer of help. Yeah. I need help. And yet at the same time, it is the most difficult prayer. Yeah. It's the most difficult prayer. Yeah. Because I told somebody one time, a Bible study teacher of mine one time, that with my children, this, of course, they were little, they were smaller, where I went, oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> and she was like, be careful. And I was like, what? Because you that's you're going to be taking the Lord's name in vain. You have to mean it. And I'm like, Oh, I most definitely mean it. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. I'm seriously asking for him to help me <laughs> in this moment. And I did it. So, But now every time I do that, every time when I'm frustrated or I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. I do go, wait, Emily, how, what's your heart on that? <laughs> I still yeah, you're question checking. it. Every, I mean, it's been years since that first conversation was had. But I do say, am I saying it? And I'm like, yes, I mean it. I want him to come in right now and help me. He needs to parent them right now because I'm at, I'm done. I've reached my limit of, ah, I can't do it anymore. I need him to be the parent right now. And you Jesus, see, help me. You, you know what's amazing is that we'll approach those, approach those prayers um, and, and self-check us and, and say, okay, wait a minute, I got to make sure. Why do we say that? Because, okay, is God going to ignore me? Right. Is God going to say, mm -mm, you didn't say it right or you yeah. don't have a right heart? I mean, my children come to me and want a bowl of ice cream at nine o'clock. Do they want a right heart? I know exactly <laughs> what they want. They want to stay up later. But does dad still give it to them? Yes, but why? Because if just for a moment I get to sit next to my seven-year-old daughter yeah. and, and have her heart beat next to mine, even if she squirms a little bit and wants something else, yeah. just for that moment, can we just for a moment admit and love and embrace the fact that what God really wants is us yeah. next to him, next to him. And so it's not just, okay, no, nope, you, you, it's past the time. You can't have ice cream. No, I'm not going to do that because you, you have to go to your room because you were bad at school today and didn't do well in your math. Nope. You're, you know, it's just, no, the loving parent, the good parent will gravitate towards those moments. Yeah. I remember when I was, um, a little younger and Anna was a little younger. I came home from a trip or somewhere and Anna runs and, and, you know, jumps into my arms 
and then hugs and then squirms to get away. <laughs> just squirms to get away. She couldn't get away fast enough, right? Yeah. And and so I'm in this moment. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I've been gone for a weekend or, yeah. I mean, you've hurt my feelings. And I said, wait a minute, I've had a moment there for a brief second yeah. to feel the breath of my daughter on the back of my neck. Yeah. And I think, I, I don't think, this is what I truly believe. This is what God wants yeah. from his children. Even when he has to tell us no. Yeah. Even when he says, nope, this isn't it. Or, boy, you screwed up. <laughs> that was the wrong choice to make here. <laughs> because that's how God talks to me. Yeah. <laughs> he really does go, oh, Emily, why did you do that? <laughs> Emily, Emily, Emily. <laughs> More often than not. But that, but tying it back into how we see God, and that's what's so cool about it. That's what makes him so awesome is that... He gives us the latitude to see us how to see him as we need to see him, to draw us to him. And it gives me, it gives you that opportunity to <sighs> that breathe and accept and acknowledge. And studying the names of God, it's not that God is sometimes. He's not sometimes sovereign. He's not sometimes a provider. He's not sometimes peace. He's not sometimes the creator. He's all of those things all of the time. And that always inhabits who he is. He is those things. Just because we may need him in one capacity or another at certain times doesn't negate the rest of him. And seeing him in that light of yes and. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how that fulfills and draws you closer. I mean, it just is because he does want those moments. Emily, I am quite certain that how people see God has been through the lens that they have been taught to see God and they have never challenged it to see what scripture says. Yeah. They had grown up. They have grown up, and I say this because it's been true for me. Right. That when you answer questions like, why do bad things happen to good? Maybe I didn't pray enough. Mm -hmm. Maybe I didn't read the Bible enough. And, you know, I read the book of Job and I didn't get a job. <laughs> you know, I mean, just. <laughs> but when it comes to our relationship with God, we got to take off the glasses that someone else has given us. Right. We got to take off the lenses that we have that we have seen God through for so long and just at least for a moment entertain the fact that maybe God does want to hear from me. Maybe God is not silent. Maybe maybe the creator that spoke and creation leapt into existence is the God who wants to cradle my heart is concerned about what's going what's going on in my life and and is inviting me to lay those concerns at the throne room of mercy of grace with confidence and boldness to find help time of need i'd encourage the folks who are listening to rest to be still and to seek that peace that comes from being in the presence 
of that God that loves you. Mm. Emily, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being with us and also those who are joining us. If you haven't done it already, I'd encourage you to subscribe or write us. You can reach out to us at podcast at spumccolumbus.com. And now may the God who loves you and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.